so we are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God. God has chosen us from the foundation of the world through sanctification of the Spirit. Here we see something that is going to tie into verse 3 because we know that Hebrews 2 tells us that the sanctifier has sanctified us and is not ashamed to call us brethren. So the, the high priest operation of Jesus Christ is brought to bear in verse 2. Under obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Christ, of course, again, we're referring to the operation of the high priest as he goes through the tabernacle made without hands. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now, if you will notice here, you're going to see a uh, triangle begin to become into focus. Look at the operation of this. Sanctification of the Spirit under obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. There is the foundation of the triangle of which God has brought the elect into the condition of being restored. It has been brought by the blood of Jesus Christ. From the blood of Jesus Christ, grace comes to you. Now we know that grace comes to you in uh, four different phases. Grace is brought to you through favor, unmerited favor, something you got that you didn't deserve. Grace is brought to you through influence, that is how the actions and replications of Jesus Christ influence your life, beginning from the cross where he influences you through the reproof of the Holy Spirit to be forgiven and healed, then on over to the influence of the tomb where he influences you to die to the curse and lay off the flesh. Then on into the region of the dam where he influences you to destroy the old nature and take on the nature of righteousness which is made by the action of Jesus Christ and replicated in you through the Spirit. Then he moves you into the next form of influence, and that is the high priesthood of Jesus Christ, where by obedience he sprinkled the blood in the tabernacle made without hands, and there he brought you into the condition of honor, praise, and worship, where he cleanses you, refines you, purges you, and brings you in to the safety of the plan of salvation, here this blood is sprinkled on your behalf to sanctify you and separate you, and it is the place where you become brethren. Then we move into the Lordship of Jesus Christ, where he makes you sound, and from here he operates in the condition of Lordship, whereby the new covenant, is at his disposal, and he moderates it and mediates it from there. And then he takes you from there into the throne room of God, where he has become the man in the Godhead bodily and makes you complete in him. Now, according to Ephesians 4, 7, these gifts of grace are equal to the portions or the measures of the uh, works, acts of Jesus Christ. So, the blood 
has opened grace. Grace has been applied at every one of the six works of Jesus that are in coordination with the six phases of salvation that come through three phases that are done in the earth and then three phases that are done in heaven. Grace is the exposure of those portions. It is the way that the portions influence us. Grace becomes the influencer that is used all the way from the cross into the high priest, the tabernacle, into his lordship. Grace is the influence that is released and then into him as the man in the Godhead. Now what does grace then cause to occur in the life of the believer? Well, peace comes. Now watch this now. Peace happens at the cross. When the cross, when one comes to the cross and confesses and professes his belief in the completed work of Jesus Christ, all based on the blood, coming through the blood, well, the influence of grace is released into his life. And peace now comes into the life of a believer who says Jesus Christ is Lord, and that grace disseminates peace between him and God. Now, all of this, of course, is done by faith. That's the other side of the triangle. The blood is the foundation. Grace and faith are the sides of the triangle. Now then, we go to the tomb. Where is the influence of the tomb? Where is the grace that's in the tomb? Well, that's where the cursed nature, the flesh nature of man is buried. But the spirit is preserved. Where is the influence that occurs in the resurrection? Well, in that influence, the sin nature is destroyed and man takes on the robes of righteousness. Where is the influence of the high priest? Well, that influence is in cleansing, purging, refining. That influence then is in sanctifying and being called brethren where we can worship, praise, and honor the King of kings and Lord of lords for his work that brought us through the blood and made us acceptable in the heavenlies, in the throne room of God, a member of the beloved who is acceptable. Then the influence of his lordship. Now the influence of his lordship takes on the concept and idea that he is the exalted Lord and as exalted Lord, he is the mediator of a better covenant. And every knee and every tongue bows to him because he is the greater. And we being the lesser bow before him and lay everything that has a name and everything that has a tongue in our life before him. And he mediates the covenant. The influence there is him as mediator. I forgot to mention that in the high priestly uh, uh, position, he is also our advocate, the influence of advocacy. Now then, we go on into the throne room of God where we find him seated at the right hand of majesty and there, as a member of the Godhead, we become complete in him. What is his influence from there? From there, he serves to be the communicator 
or the intercessor. The influence is that he can directly communicate with us through the Spirit and bring to us guiding and leading, show us things to come and give us what to speak. These things all occur to us through the gifts of the Spirit that we know as wisdom, knowledge, discernment of Spirit, faith, healings, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. So when we look at what grace, what this offering of the sprinkling of blood has brought to us, it has brought to us the ability to operate in the portions that Jesus Christ has completed. Without that sprinkling of blood in the tabernacle made without hands, the cross would have not been effective. It had to be completed and accepted in the heavenly dominion. And so in doing, grace is explored. Now, so we find grace in favor. Then we find grace in influence. And then we find grace in the open window of heaven. Where do we find that grace? We find that grace in the Lordship and the Godhead. We are the, the, we're talking about the way God does things. That's the next one. I forgot. I left that out. The way God does things. Well, what is the way God does things? We find that in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because from his Lordship, he operates the way God does things in mediating the new covenant. So the way God is operating towards man is also an act of grace. It's in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So as God operates the new covenant to mankind, from that new covenant, the Lordship of Jesus Christ is functioning, and grace is the means whereby it is functioning to mankind. Then we operate in the final stage of that, which is the uh, position where he comes to us as the man in the Godhead bodily. There he operates the open judgment of heaven, whereby heaven is opened to us because of his engagement in the Godhead. And that engagement in the Godhead makes us complete because it gives us the working uh, communication between the heavenly and the earthly. So from there, as the man in the Godhead, all of heaven's judgment to us is yea and amen. Every promise of God to us is yea and amen. So when we see Peter de declare grace, what we are seeing Peter declare is grace in all of the works and replications of Jesus Christ as they are portioned, of which I have just described for you. So we saw that the blood caused uh, the grace of uh, favor, unconditional favor to be given to man. That unconditional favor allowed him to... to die on the cross, us to accept that, and follow him as Jesus to the cross and Jesus to the tomb. There we found unconditional favor and we were able to destroy our flesh. Then we found him as Christ, the resurrected one, the victoriously anointed Christ. Now all of this is coming out of God's favor for mankind. Remember, that 
Paul said in in uh, Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, something that is very important. He said these words. He said, "For he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him." So these acts that we see from the cross to the tomb and into the resurrection are all acts of divine favor. That's what we're seeing here. Look at again at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. For it made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made by the force of the actions that Jesus did, the righteousness of God in him. So in those first three works, what we saw is the divine favor of God being produced for mankind so that man could die with Christ, could die to the flesh with Christ, could die to the old nature with Christ. Listen to this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We beg you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. So in all of this, there is divine favor. Now when this circumstance moves from where Jesus tells Mary, I'm going to your God and my God, he's going there for what Peter is describing in verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. He's going there to sanctify us under obedience of sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now then, grace comes into effect. When grace comes into effect, the first three works after the cross are all works of divine favor. Now once this thing is transferred into the eternal, into the heavenly realm, where Jesus Christ became the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and we are to pick up our cross and follow him into grace, into the portions of grace. Now we come to the place where influence takes over. Influence. It comes out of the high priesthood of Jesus Christ. There, all of the things that the blood can supply for the influence upon our life that changes us into a vessel of honor, a vessel of worship, a vessel of praise, a vessel of glory. All of these things come out of this portion of grace we know as influence. We are changed in our spirit from a spirit of darkness into a spirit of life from a spirit of death or from a spirit of darkness into a spirit of peace, from a spirit of death into a spirit of life. We have no more condemnation at this place. 
where influence is coming over us and the spirit of the fruit of the spirit begins to operate in us. What a great ministry the fruit of the spirit has for us. And we begin to think differently. Look at what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 when he begins to talk about the 17 works of the flesh and how that the the flesh flesh lusts against the spirit and he goes through all of those works of the flesh and then he comes down to 522 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness and faith meekness self control against such there is no law and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the afflictions and the lusts Listen to what he's saying that's happened here. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Here's what he said. He said, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. So we move beyond that now. We move beyond the, the flesh activity of the tomb and the old nature activity. We move beyond that. We've now come in to the high priesthood of Jesus Christ where the influence of God changes everything about us. Now we're not done yet. We're not done yet because we have developed the fruit of the Spirit that is allowing us to come into worship, praise, honor, and glory. We are also in this phase of grace brought under the advocacy of Jesus Christ, where he in that office as high priest advocates for us. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, not when we sin, but if we sin. Because we have seen that the influence or the uh, unmerited favor of God has brought us from saving grace of salvation through the death of the flesh into the righteousness of which we are made by that phase. Now we come into the high priesthood and there in the high priesthood we operate as a, as a new man. Listen to what Paul said. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Now then, from there, we go into the next phase of grace. We go from favor in the cross, the tomb, and the resurrection the influence in the high priesthood where that influence completely cleanses us, purges us, and refines us. Now we go into the way God does things. What is that, Mike? It's where the Lordship of Jesus Christ mediates the new covenant for us. What a blessing that is because now under the new covenant, everything that has a name and everything that has a tongue bows to the exalted, stronger one. And we bring these things to him. And he operates in them in the way the stronger one acts. He operates the new covenant in the way the stronger one acts. He realizes his position as the stronger one, which the word of God has already defined for us in Philippians chapter 2. And as the stronger one, he mediates that covenant with us in mind. So, whenever something in the covenant is being attacked, well, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, who has rule and reign over his kingdom, has the right to place in effect the strength of the covenant over the thing that's attacking us. What a blessing that, that is. 
And I could go on and on and on here, but I'm running out of time. Then we go into him as the man in the Godhead bodily, where the judgment of an open heaven in grace through the portions of the work of Jesus Christ, those judgments of an open heaven become what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 1, that every promise in him is yea, and every promise in him is amen. What a blessing that is. What a word of God that is. When we understand that the new covenant is mediated by Jesus in his lordship, but it is communicated to us by intercession. That's what Jesus Christ is doing as the man in the Godhead bodily. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him are amen unto the glory of God. Now he who hath established us with you is in Christ, and hath anointed us as God, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So God, Jesus Christ is the man in the Godhead bodily, is there operating from the judgment of an open heaven, whereby he communicates with us through intercession. He is able to intercede. Now watch this because most of you think that means that he is doing nothing more than bowing down and praying and calling us by name. It's not what he's doing. If we look at Isaiah 53 verse 12, we're going to find out that he interceded for the transgressor. How did he do it? He came and did something about it. He died. He was actually on scene, in other words, making something happen for the transgressor. That's what he's doing for you and me, my friend. That's what Peter is trying to tell us here in the beginning of 1 Peter chapter 1. He is our intercessor who is there operating to us under the judgment of an open heaven of God. Hallelujah. What a revelation. He is operating from the grace of an open heaven. And what does it cause? Peace, my friend. Brings peace at every phase, at every stage of which the world doesn't understand, the church doesn't understand because we're not living in any of this. But yet the truth of Scripture and the truth of tracking the Word of God remains absolutely visible and real. Father, I pray that you'd bless your people today as we study and know the Word of God. Speak to us. Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. Let us be changed. We'll give you praise and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Well, as always, now we can see Jesus Christ as Lord in a completely new means because now we see Him as the mediator of the new covenant. Now we see him as the one who is available to us. Now, Father, minister, minister to your people. Now we can see him as the one who is the open heaven of a new covenant and, and the one who is the, over the open heaven of a, 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 the judgment 